HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Southern Peanut Growers, committed to making sustainable more attainable for chefs and cooking enthusiasts worldwide. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, made in harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with the one and only Bobby Brown, beauty industry titan, world-renowned makeup artist, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and serial entrepreneur. As a professional makeup artist, Bobby created the 10 simple lipsticks that launched her billion-dollar brand, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Bobby left her namesake brand in 2016 to return to her roots as an entrepreneur, launching three new businesses, JustBobby.com, a digital editorial content site, The George, a 31-room boutique hotel in Montclair, New Jersey, and The Important Things, a podcast that interviews thought leaders, creators, and entrepreneurs on the habits and mindsets that have helped them live their most authentic and gratifying lives. In October of 2020, Bobby made her triumphant return to the beauty industry and launched Jones Road, a collection of edited and indispensable clean beauty products for all ages, skin types, and skin tones. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you very much. Thank I you, am thank you. so pumped to have you here. Right. Yeah. The so. only thing I'd be more pumped is if you and your fiance were actually staying at my house that I've invited <laughs> you to. So I, I let me just take this opportunity to say, can you guys please come this summer? 
I don't okay, care if it's so, overnight or for a week. Just go. I mean, I'm like blushing. You know, there's yeah. the, you know, there's like a Truman Capote expression. There's nothing like the cruel acceptance of a casual invitation. Have you ever heard that? I have <laughs> like, not, but I love everything Truman Capote. Right. So I mean, I'm always like, did they really mean that they want uh, us to stay in their house? But now that you've said it on on yes. on some sort of public forum, I'm yes. I'm coming now. I'm and I'm I'm not going to make you cook. I'm not going to make you cook. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Super. Um, so I, you know, it's funny because I never really end the, the podcast the week before with like, and everyone's going to love the next guest because I am always nervous. Someone's going to cancel and then they're going to be like, wait, what the hell happened? (laughs) Um, but I did sort of leave this like cliffhanger of like, there's someone big coming on next week. And I've gotten so many, like so many DMs and LinkedIn being like, who's coming? Who is it? Who's Aww, coming? Uh, so um, they will not be disappointed. Oh, good. I hope. <laughs> so we can talk about, you know, your whole past and this, this kind of incredible story about, you know, your, how you started as a makeup artist. You built this incredible business, this 25-year non-compete. The day after it ended, you launched Jones Road. But I think what I really want to know from you is you seem so completely to know who you are. You seem really comfortable in your own skin. You seem to, um, you know, you're not out there saying you have all the answers, but you're also, you don't shy away from what you do know. And I guess my big question before we get into sort of anything else is, has that been just a muscle that you've worked on? Do you feel like there's anything you've learned that's helped you get there? Has it been a practice? Or are you just who you are and you've always been who you are and you're just blessed to not have a whole lot of self-doubt? Well, first of all, that's a very, very, very hard question to answer. And it's a very interesting question to me that you think that of me. So I am, you know, I am some ways really comfortable in my skin and I'm also other ways uncomfortable in my skin. And so, yeah, I always deal with the thoughts that come in my head and try to get rid of them. But, you know, certain things I'm very clear about what I, about who I am. I don't try to pretend I'm anything, but I'm not. I, you know, I know I'm good at certain things and I know I'm not good at certain things. So I am someone that's curious. I like to learn a lot but you know there's there's so many different parts of this equation there's yeah. there is you know being comfortable in your skin being able to throw on like the greatest you know pair of pants and a t-shirt and go out and feel like i look phenomenal i deal you know that's something that i struggle with i want to be one of those people that looks like i'm always comfortable in my clothes and i'm not yeah. You know, that's, that's probably the biggest struggle I have. I'm, you know, I'm very short. I'm five feet tall. I have never found the perfect tailor. I've never <laughs> found the perfect pants, the perfect t-shirt. You know, my, my weight is at a pretty, pretty all time low right now, but it goes up and down like everyone's. And, yeah. you know, I have inner chatter about that. What I do with that inner chatter is I try to make things simple by, buying more than one of my favorite things when I do find them and just kind of live more wardrobe like. All right. So that's, you know, one part of me. The other part about 
business and work, I pretty yeah. much, I pretty much dive into things and put my all in it. And not everything works, by the way. I mean, I tried a wellness brand, you know, called Evolution 18. And literally Harvard Business School could do a study on all the things I did wrong. And then all <laughs> the things I did right on Jones Road. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's okay because I don't really think of anything that I've done that didn't work out as a failure. Right. I'm like, all right, it's, it's just time to do it differently or do it, do something else. And I guess on that note, like, you know, so much of, I think founders right now, you know, someone, Armin, just before the show started, he was like, you know, how's the sauce world? And I'm like, well, it's great. We're doing well, but you know, manufacturing just got harder. Transportation just got harder. Sales just got harder. Marketing just got harder. And, you know, I like to think that we're building a little, you know, house made of brick, um, that will withstand the big bad wolf and all of the little things. It just, there are times when my confidence in my ability to lead this thing waivers. And I don't know what to do. I fall back on a couple of things that I've learned over the years to, you know, make me feel like I can, but inevitably it's like a three or four day dip, um, where I get nervous that, you know, I'm not doing this right. And then I remember that there's no real right and I'm working and I'm learning and I, but does that happen to you or did it used to happen to you? And if so, you know, yeah. Like what do you do? Of course it happens, but I don't do the four day dip. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm a, I'm a day dipper, let's say, you know, (laughs) and I, and I do think like everything ebbs and flows, you know, from my 33 marriage, my relationship with my husband, to my kids, to my best friend, to, you know, some days my digestion's so good. And then all of a sudden it's so bad. So it's, it's, it's just the nature of life. Everything does. And sometimes instead of being, look, we're, we're nutcases, we're, we're entrepreneurial and, oh, and to make it worse, we're Jewish entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. which is this whole, and if you're not Jewish, I'm sure you have Jewish friends that you understand. We're just like a nutty bunch of people. Like I I don't even know how to say it. So yeah, it's just um, a DNA thing. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, we, you know. And I do worry about it, but what I do when I'm feeling, you know, bad or off or feel like things aren't working, I either call a friend, you know, whoever that friend may be that might be help, help me talk through it at the time, or I might talk to my husband about it. Or sometimes I just realize, like it just happened this week, I needed to get myself physically and emotionally away from it. So I pulled back. And I just let the dust settle and let everyone else kind of, you know, deal with the angst that was going on. And then when I had less emotion, yeah, I was able to understand what to do. And it really, there's really nothing to do except have a conversation about things. And then I'm yeah. like, then you start to feel better. And yeah, because it it's like a everybody. yarn ball in my head. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. start to, you know, and I, I feel like I'm like a cartoon character with this like yarn ball above my head. And, and I mean, I think, you know, what I've noticed is that if I start to get twirly, my team starts to get twirly and I'm sort of, it's like, I'm setting the energy 
and I don't want to, I, I want to be self-aware and I don't want to do that to them. Um, but I also don't always know what to do with myself. Um, right. Well, you need to really, it's such a silly thing, but you just need to like breathe. And number one, like when you're ready, start thinking about what you are so grateful for in your business. Like you are doing this. You're not sitting in an office, you know, working for someone else. You are doing this and you've had your ups and downs and, and shifts and changes like we all have. And you just need to like realize, okay, I love what I'm doing. So there's value in this. And right now I'm stuck. I don't know what to do, but let me let, and what's, what, what is the matter? Just let it be and kind of see what happens when you pull away. Like you're not helping or changing anything by, by the noise in your head. No. Like, and was it worse when you were younger? I mean, is this something like you've been an entrepreneur for literally 30 some odd years? Yeah, like, did, right. has you, has this been a muscle that you've gotten, you know, trained? Way, yes. Way, way worse when I was younger. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't, uh, it's like, it's become this number now that everyone's talking about because I am 65, you know, Bobby launches on Twitter, becomes a Twitter viral sensation at 65, Right. So yes, everyone's talking about it, like what the hell? So yeah. Um, yeah, of course, I've gotten much better. And I I, I have something that other people don't have and that's Steven. Yeah. And, I, and I hope that your fiance is the same where he just says, okay, it's okay, it's okay, okay. <laughs> and he'll listen to me and then he'll literally say something that will change the course of nothing else but my thought process. Yep. Okay. I mean, like, that's you, a great partner. Yes, it is. Yeah. But he, he drives me out of my mind too, but we'll save that for, for the, for the, um, on the other podcast. Um, right. so, okay. That was the big one that I really wanted to get out because I, I think of you so often, I think I, I just, I really admire and just love that no matter where you are, if I'm reading about you, I hear your voice. If I'm watching you, you're you, you're just you. You know, yeah. well, and- I don't know how to. Be- I tried being other people, else, and I did. I tried being fabulous. I tried being, and I realized I wasn't comfortable. Like I had to go. I had to like show up at the Met Ball like three different times, and the angst of trying to figure out what to wear. And by the way, one of the times I did someone's makeup before the Met Ball, and I changed someone's closet. Yeah. Like it was just <laughs> the dumbest thing in the whole world. And, um, you know, but, and I would walk into these events and see all this gorgeous, skinny, beautiful, you know, designer clothes and hair and makeup. And I'd be like, I'm in a Navy tuxedo thinking I looked fabulous at home, but, and then I'm like, you know what? It's up to me. Do I want to spend my evening feeling bad or do I want to enjoy myself? And I, and something shifted and I said, you know what? I'm never going to be Sandra Bullock or whoever else, you know, I was in the elevator with, but my job is different. And you know what? I I need to just be positive and, and be comfortable with, with who I am. Yeah. And I think that speaks to something where, you know, I read something that you wrote or you were interviewed about something and you were basically, when you were sort of becoming a household name, that's sort of at the same time that celebrity culture and influencer culture. And all of a sudden you weren't a a makeup artist with a great brand. 
they were starting to ask you about your lifestyle and you and you be, and it, it became sort of this bigger thing that wasn't necessarily always the case in like the american zeitgeist we had sort right. of our you know our actresses and our you know political leaders but now all of a sudden there was an expectation on you not just to be really good at your job but to be almost like more outsized than that and it I feel like there's a lot lately where now that's starting to bite women in the ass a little bit because they got too outsized in a way. And now there's like a, almost a, a cutting back down to size that's going on. And do you feel like, have you, do you feel like you you're able to sort of watch from, you know, with the perspective of being in this and just like watch what's happened in the culture and take away kind of what what works for you and leave behind what doesn't yes and I've always been that person like if something didn't feel right and I would do it and I would try to figure out how to make it feel right and then if it didn't I didn't do it anymore and I started you know turning down going to events and parties that I had no reason to if a friend wasn't being honored if I wasn't being honored and by the way, I used to be honored all the time or put my name on something. And then one day I realized it is, why am I doing this? It's not an honor for me. Right. It's an obligation for me and right. the people around me. And finally I'm like, no, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this. So, yeah. you know, I think I spend so much of my time thinking about what, what is happening and should I keep doing this or should I not? And shifting is okay. And so, yes, I see a lot of young founders and I see them showing up at all these places and, you know, sticking their tushies out and taking these fabulous pictures. And I'm like, oh my God, if I can't like show up wearing jeans, my Hermes clogs, you know, Mm -hmm. with, and be myself, I'm not going. Like I want a nice dinner where I could talk to people. I don't want to be photographed and be fabulous. I, I yeah. don't want to do that. No, that's, and that's helpful because, you know, there's, there is a lot, I think of, there's an element to the founder thing that, um, you know, I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 50 and I, I'm, I'm, I already feel out of that world. I've, I've never really been in that world. And I think being a, a, a company that sort of launched in a very sort of Luddite brick and mortar way, the way that I did, I've never been like a cool kid founder. Um, so I never really had all that pressure, but I do get invited right. to stuff. And my instinct is like, I really don't want to be there. Right. Um, yeah. But sometimes I feel like maybe I'm doing my, my company a disservice or I won't meet someone that could potentially be helpful to the business. And I, go through this little like back and forth with myself. And then I'm like, no, just try to say yes to more things. And I'm like, no, have your boundaries. And it's, you know, you know what, there's no right, there's no right and wrong answer. It's really what you enjoy. I mean, look, you have how many, 12 kids? No, you have four kids. kids. Okay. Yeah. You've got four kids. (laughs) You've got five. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You've got five kids. You've got (laughs) this business. You've got all, you know, this relationship with this amazing man, you've got, I'm sure so many other things, 
well, how much can you do and how much do you enjoy to do? Like, right. like the dinner that you hosted that we came, which for us to get in a car and drive yeah. to New York City from New Jersey, it requires, you know, like, like energy. Yeah. And it was so, it was like one of the most fun nights I've had. And just with these great people sitting at this table, eating great food. And, you know, we didn't have that for a bunch of years because of the yeah. pandemic. And yeah. I would do things like that again. Yeah. You know, I, I would pop by your engagement party because it's yours. Like I wouldn't just go to anyone's. I so know. I, That's so but nice. no, but, yeah. but that, no, but making, and yes. And I always meet someone that is interesting to me either as a guest on my podcast or someone knows someone or some, yeah, it's all that stuff, but you could meet them in other ways and having to right. go to these like uncomfortable, not fun events with bad yeah. food and bad and bad shoes. For me, it's yeah. all about the shoes. <laughs> I totally hear you. Never putting on heels again. No. Um, uh -uh. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get out of like my therapy session and into actually like your business and things that we can learn, but I already feel so much better. So um, we'll be right back. This episode is proudly supported by Southern Peanut Growers, who are spreading the word about peanut sustainability. As the planet's resources are strained to meet the nutritional needs of its populations, many responsible chefs are doing their part by sourcing local and sustainably raised food. Many are surprised to learn that peanuts are one of the most sustainable plant-based proteins available. Southern Peanut Growers created the campaign, Making Sustainable More Attainable, in partnership with award-winning chef Stephen Satterfield. Together, they're bringing the sustainability message to chefs nationwide. Whether it's conserving water, minimizing fertilizers, or achieving zero waste, peanuts are a logical choice for your next menu. Southern peanut growers represent farmers across Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, and Alabama. For more information, visit www.peanutbutterlovers.com. I'm Chaba Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. I'm back with Bobby Brown. Um, okay. So we've gotten some of like my, my big picture, like help me, you know, sensei stuff, but you know, you mentioned something at the beginning. I want to just kind of back up a little bit. You long story short, because you've told this story a lot, 
you know, you moved to New York in 1980 as a theatrical makeup degree, wanting to be a makeup artist. You were on a photo shoot about eight years later, and you wanted a nude lipstick that basically you couldn't find. You met a chemist, you made 10 lipsticks. And the next thing, I mean, obviously, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but you know, you you were in Bergdorf, then you were on the Today Show, and then over the next however many years, you you basically built a billion dollar brand. Good way to summarize the story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's the cliff notes. Yeah, that's that don't the cliff make notes. That, that don't make any sense because you know I was the kid that got D's in math. I don't even know what I was doing in college. My third college, I decided to study makeup. My dad was like, really? What are you going to take? Mascara 101? They didn't offer it, but I probably would have taken it. Right. And I just kind of went through the motions, but just always did what I did. And I thought that I wasn't smart because everyone was different than me. Like I'm yeah. someone that learns differently, which I didn't realize at the time. But for, and I think differently. So for example, when everyone else was writing, you know, synopsis of what their movie was going to be, I created this movie with a friend based on what makeup I wanted to do on, you know, the actor or actresses, which were, you know, the other students. And then I wrote the story around the makeup and I'm like, that's so backwards. And I've done stuff like that a million times. I've written books after we did a photo shoot and I, and I went in the studio, shot all these things, and then I put them into chapters Yeah, uh, and, and it works for me. Yeah. I mean, it, I think the, the more entrepreneurs that, you know, I talk to and, you know, you listen to on how I built this, et cetera, like there's usually something that's not textbook. I mean, first of all, you have to be, you have to be somewhat an outside of the box person. You have to have a, a really weird fixation with whatever it is that you're doing because making anything from scratch is so freaking hard that if you're not slightly obsessed and delusional, you're probably not going to go very far to some extent. Um, and, but, you know, and then you stayed when, you know, when, when it got acquired um, for a long 22 time. 22 years. 22 yeah, for, years. So did you... I mean, I, I would guess that there were some things that you learned. Or yeah. Oh, I learned, that, a, are yeah. you kidding? I learned a ton. I mean, I, I, I was a naive 33-year-old girl when we were acquired, and I all of a sudden went to work. You know, I had a car service pick me up. I worked in the car. I drove in. I went up to the GM building and had meetings and you know, we had an office and did that for years and then moved downtown and made my, you know, uh, office much more what I would have done. And that was, well, I a read bunch about years. that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because you, you know, you got acquired by Estee Lauder. And then at some point you said, we need to be out of this corporate structure to some extent, right? We need to right. have more of a, like our, our vibe. Um, what, you know, it, that must've been a little, was that at all a nerve wracking conversation to have, or w were you just, were you fed up or were you just empowered or? No. Yeah. Well, I was taken out to lunch 
with um, the then CEO of, of the company that basically when I said, you know, he was saying to me, you know, your business is flat. And I was like, well, okay. And he said, you know, what are you going to do about it? You know, because it was growing, growing, growing. And I said to him, I said, but explain to me why we can't cut expenses and why we have to grow every year. And by the way, this guy who was like six foot something tall, then the smoke started coming out of his nose. Right. You know, and I was like, okay. And then I said to him, he said, well, what would you suggest? I said, honestly, it's flat because we're trying to be like everybody else. And, you know, and Bobby Brown is different than Estee Lauder and Bobby Brown is, you know, is different. And I would, if it was up to me, I would find a cool space downtown without walls and do kind of a, a an open design place. And, and I would put so-and-so in as my president, who was then my head of marketing. I would get right. rid of this president who was a corporate person and- right. You know, and it took a while to get all this done, but it did get done and things did turn around and they, it made a huge difference. Our business exploded. And then, you know, the last bunch of years were tough before yeah. I left and I stayed even though when it was tough, cause I thought I could fix it. And when you go back to what you said at the beginning about the Harvard, you know, the Harvard business school case study in like, you know, the, the first you know, thing you did post, um, leaving, you know, let's do the Harvard business school case study, right. like the Bobby mm -hmm. Brown case study on what the things are that you took away that you would keep, whether it's from Bobby Brown or it's from, you know, evolution and what are the, you know, two to three things that like, if you saw, someone doing, you would be like, stop. Like, you know, what are the things that you would hold to? And right. what are the things that you would right. just say are big red flags? Well, first of all, the stop is really easy. The stop is, you know, the things that happen in corporations where you are spending your time and everyone else's time creating decks for meetings that are often internal meetings. And you've hired experts to come in and, and help you with these decks. And you know, you've just basically spent months and months and wasted people's time and money. Yeah, I would say, let's not do that. Let's, let's have a discussion about, you know, what we could do, and then let's figure out how to do it without wasting people's time and money. So that's, that's a no brainer. And, you know, what I would do is just have like creative, um, ideas that isn't looking at what everyone else is doing. It's right. about doing your own thing and being your own thing and not trying to be, you know, something you're not. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's honestly, whenever I, I realized like what the brand was, it would did really well. And when I tried to be what either retailers wanted or some corporate guys wanted, it was like, this just, seems inauthentic and it didn't work. So it's, it's, it tracks to you too, right? Like that's exactly what you said about when you tried to go to the Met ball, you know, it just, it didn't feel right and it didn't right. jive. And it's, it's interesting because it's such a good life lesson and probably particularly somewhat gendered, I would think, um, right. in the sense that they're probably more of us trying to fit into something that we think we should. and 
Um, and so now let's get to Jones Road. So I, I think I've told Ellie this on a few different channels. I think I've um, made many videos. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> on social media, but I send them to you. I happen to be obsessed. I was obsessed pretty early on with like the hippie stick, but now this, what the foundation, I've never worn makeup. I'm clearly, it is, it's like the most perfect tinted moisturizer slash makes my skin look flawless, feels great, smells great, works great. Um, it's like a, it's like a dream product. And um, it's also something that, you know, is not emulsified. So for me, that's like a natural product, like a food where you have to shake it, right? Like, but it confuses people. And we've seen that, you know, I mean, I think it's amazing what's happened on TikTok and I'm sure, you know, we can yeah. talk about it, but there's some consumer education that needs to happen around this product. And it, it gets a lot of, there's a lot of like emotional response to it. Well, it's been so bizarre, just the yeah. whole, like, you know, the most controversial foundation on TikTok. I'm like, God, <laughs> it's a pot of very moisturizing, tinted yeah. um, emulsion that, you know, yes, sometimes might separate because there's a lot of oil in it, all, but it, you get this little stir thing, you stir it up. I and don't by the way, stir with my, I literally, my fingers go in, I do bloop, yeah. bloop, bloop, I'm like the four things and, and I rub it in and, you, and it's perfect. And, and don't use it over a moisturizer if your no. skin's not super dry. It's right. a, it is basically a moisturizer that's tinted and it's, you know, like, look, it, it the, the, the sales are off the roof and they're still imagine. like yeah. huge. So, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of love and it's a great product. And that, that virality, right. I mean, you also said, and there was some article I read where you're like, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. No one recognized me <laughs> until like right. TikTok all of a sudden now people are yeah. like, Oh, you're the, I mean, is that, what is that like for you? You've spent well, your funny. career on television right. and you're, you're right. a household name basically for like everyone. And now all of a sudden there's this TikTok thing. Right. Like, well, it's funny, Allison. I used to be like, even in the middle of the Bobby Brown years, I launched on QVC. It was my idea, and it was like financially like incredible. And for you know, for for a time, and I would and I would go on once a month. I would never talk about money value. I just talked about I educated people, and we donated money to Dress for Success, like all this stuff. And I used to you know, when we had a home in Colorado, I used to go to like the Walmart there, or the Target there, and I'd be in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, some lady be screaming, oh my God, it's Bobby, it's Bobby Brown from QVC. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, I've been in Vogue. I've been on right. whatever. But I'm like, all right, fine. So now I'm in Restoration Hardware in New Jersey on Route 17. And two <laughs> people in front of my husband stopped me separately. They're like, oh my God, I've been following you on TikTok. I think I know you. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, hi. <laughs> I mean, hi. and the answer, I mean, I guess the question is like, is just, is it back to like all press is good press or does your, does it make you frustrated or unhappy when people are, are giving the weird negative stuff? I mean, you, you've got to probably be somewhat immune, I would imagine at this point, but 
Do well, you look, when I that, like, yeah. When, when I saw the first like influencer video, which was kind of like the funniest thing I've ever seen where right. she said, the gloppy I one. hate this, yeah. it's awful, the gloppy one. I was like, then I realized, and all the comments were, yeah, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. And then some people started saying, it's not how it's intended to be right. used. And then I did the funny video and everybody kind of laughed. And, you know, I realized, and I said this, guys, it's not for everybody. If you like a very strong foundation with a lot of coverage that's very dry, you're not going to like this. If you don't, it made me realize Jones Road is a brand for women that don't like makeup. Yeah. I don't like makeup. I love everything Jones Road. I don't like traditional makeup. Right. Me too. Because it's like, oh, the smell, the feel. Jones Road feels good, smells good, and makes you look good. I mean, not everyone wants that look. Right. And by the way, what an incredible... I mean, that's, that's it. That's the, the, that's the why and the who and the how and the what, and that's like the guiding principle for everything, basically. I mean, I'm imagining you kind of knew that before, but this really solidified that for you. Mm -hmm. It did. And, you know, I just, look, I do the products because I love doing the products. I educate on them because I love teaching people and I love showing, you know, women how easy it is. And I enjoy everything I'm doing, but you never know <clears throat> if the products you're making are going to be successful. So, right. I know. And it's so funny, you know, we, people ask me why all the time, why is chimichurri such a runaway hit? You know, why is barbecue not working as well? You know, and I'm, you know, I'm stabbing at it. I can take some guesses. You know, I, I there's something around, you know, people knowing what chimichurri is. There's something around them not having a favorite chimichurri already. There's something around it. There's so many barbecue like sauces. There's, right, so, there's many so many barbecue, barbecue sauces. There's not a right. lot of, there. I don't know any good chimichurris besides yours. And by yeah. the way, red pepper. Why is yeah, everyone in the universe Mexico. not using red pepper sauce? <laughs> I know. Because you can put it on any vegetable. I put it on my cottage cheese sometimes. It's so and funny. I'm, you are, yeah. whenever Romesco is having, like, yeah. she's not having a shining moment. I'm uh-huh. like, we can't, she's got to stay in the roster, people. Like, there are people oh. who love that sauce. Yeah. But, you know, it's, again, it goes back to the education piece. Like, yeah. I, you know, the difference, obviously, between you and me is, like, you make a video on how to use it and everyone's like, Oh, that's how to use it. And it goes viral. And then there's, you know, a gazillion people who now know how to use it. Our thing is like, what do you do with this thing? What do you do with this pouch of red pepper sauce? You know, and I can make all the videos in the world, you know, and I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but then how do you get people to watch the videos? It's not just the video, right? It's the newsletters. It's the in-store thing. It's the TV thing. It's the radio. It's all media, I hate to say. And it all kind of funnels. And, you know, to get those viral TikToks, you know, they, it's one out of how many. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really depends. And, you know, I introduced you to our friend that has, you know, Mm -hmm. we're doing, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just, you just keep doing all this stuff and you don't know what, what's gonna what's gonna go you know you send it to al roker and he says oh my god this is the best thing i've ever tasted it's gonna bump your sales like you know or whoever else of the moment is doing it right that's true and and going back to content for a second because 
Um, I don't, I mean, my impression, at least from what I've heard you say is like, you didn't really know you TikTok wasn't like a part of the plan so much any more than any other channel was like, you know, the, the way that beauty content, right. It was Vogue, yeah. it was television, it was whatever. And those things are still obviously very clearly very important. But right. the way that beauty content is now, you're now able to directly talk to all of these people and you're able to have the people who love your product talk about it. Like, are you, like, what's your response to all that? Is that like very interesting and fascinating to you? Or are you just kind of like, are are you confused by it? Are you like, how, because it is different and it's shifted even in the last couple of years. I mean, right. Everything does yeah. shift. And I know yeah. that and I'm open to, you know, I don't get like, I don't feel bad because things don't work the way they did two years ago. I mean, everything is always shifting in our world, you know, especially these days. But I, I have always loved being able to, to reach people. So when I was the beauty editor of the Today Show for 14 years, now, I, it was an accident. I met, you know, Jeff Zucker's grandmother, and I somehow, <laughs> you know, became the beauty editor. Like, and by the way, what that did for the brand that, at the time, it was amazing. And just like QVC, I never, ever pushed my brand or even mentioned it, but I taught so that became like a natural thing for me. So social media, like when Instagram, you know, kind of first started, I was like, oh, this makes sense, you know, and I kind of jumped in. I created a blog early on because I'm like, oh, I could do all these cool, fun editorial stories. And so how do you reach people and how and what do you have to teach them? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I do see, again, I see a through line from us to you, hopefully, in the sense that I'm teaching cooking 99% of the time and 1% of the time I'm talking about the product. Right. Um, you know, I'm teaching people how to hold a knife and I'm teaching people how to buy produce and I'm teaching people how to feel more confident cooking, similar to, you know, I think how you've always tried to make people feel more confident in the skin that they're in. Um, and the product follows and you just have to keep, like you're saying, just keep, keep on teaching. And I'm, yeah. you know what I'm very grateful for. I mean, what I'm grateful for is that I have something to teach right? and that it is so completely connected to this, to this business that I'm building. Cause I think if I was the founder of any other kind of company, I don't know what I'd be talking about all day. Right. But you know, it's, it's, that's again, being authentic and being, you know, passionate, like all those things makes a successful company. And just because one sauce isn't selling as much as the other, it's like, yeah, just think about all the other cool sauces that you could do. Yep. Yep. So building this little, you know, this, this new venture, right? Mm -hmm. I don't say little because I don't think it's so little, but you know, it's, you didn't know how big it was going to be. You know, again, you're. I'm going back to okay. So you don't make internal decks for internal meetings, and you have discussions. Right. But were there any sort of like, you know, basic things that had to exist for you to want to do this? Like, were there some sort of like non-negotiable elements to this business for you to do this again? 
now? Um, you know, I came up with this idea for the Miracle Balm. You know, I worked with a chemist and a freelance PD person. I didn't know. And I'm like, you know what? I could maybe make a brown eyeshadow, the best brown eyeshadow, and I could sell it on Etsy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's the way to start. And so I'm like, all right, well, I, so we had something, I made a starter kit. We had one, a mascara in there. We had a brown pencil, a brown shadow, and I forget, and, and a lip gloss that'll work on everyone. I'm like, all right, that's so simple and modern and, mm-hmm. you know, basic. I didn't know if it was going to be a business or not. Right. So you just, you know, you don't know. And I probably, I said this the first time, if I had a crystal ball to see how quick and fast this thing was going to blow up, I don't know if I would have done it. But really, I don't know. Does it just feel like overwhelming? Well, I I don't let it be overwhelming, but it is, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot of new life techniques and lifestyle techniques that to work with this new business. And because of the pandemic, you know, it has made it possible to not always be in the office, even when you have a full day of meetings. Right. I'm like, I'm on Zoom after Zoom after Zoom. And, yeah. you know, then I get off Zoom and I pick up the phone and call someone that I was like, no, 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 you got to hear this. <laughs> so, so life techniques, aside yeah. from taking a physical and a mental break, you're learning some new ones. You know? I'm trying. Yeah. I'm in process. I am a, you know, I'm a, I'm in process. I, every day I tell myself I would be so much better if I drank more water and meditated. Yeah. I forgot I'm, to bring my water into this, you know, I could have had an hour of drinking water and I forgot yeah. it. I know it's, I actually have like, I have a jug of water next to me all day long. Cause I, yeah. I actually think hydration's the key to life. Like mm-hmm. legit. And yeah, my kids will come is. home with like 106 fever and I'll be like, you're just dehydrated. Right. <laughs> like yeah. someone's like, you know, on their, you know, whenever. And I'm like, you just need some water. Um, a couple few like last questions. So this business now, Jones Road, you have your son is the CMO, your daughter-in-law is head of social. You are really making this a family affair. I'm imagining that that is on purpose. Where are you trying to- Well, it's not on purpose. It's honestly not on purpose. Like, so, you know, my son um, was working- helping freelancing on the vitamin company because he was doing marketing and very different marketing than what I call marketing. And he was like big value add. And then when I launched Jones, he's like, I don't want to work for, you know, with you. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then we needed some of his expertise and he was again, more value add, more value add. And then he got really entrenched in it. And we hired him as our, you know, e-commerce, head of e-commerce, but then he was clearly doing more. And so he really was acting. There wasn't anyone in marketing over him. And he was acting as the the CMO. And we just made him the CMO because we're like, (laughs) you're acting it. And And his wife, who had left a physical therapy business, is just this capable, brilliant girl that had no experience in social and we kept trying to kind of piece things together and all these um, people that we were trying to hire and did hire and didn't work out. And she just started doing it. And we're like, 
why don't you take this job? She goes, oh, I don't want to do this. We're like, no, 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 no. Why don't you take this job? So, yeah. So now I, you know, we're working really hard not to talk about business during dinner. Yeah, that's really hard. I oh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I have a hard time talking about other things right ever, yeah. ever you know because right. i think also when you when it is your business you know all the lessons that i'm learning like yeah of course some of them are around like product margin and trade spend but most right. of them are around people and communication uh-huh. and leadership and right. dynamics between yeah. team members that you know it's it is life you know it's yeah. it's i mean so and that's the worst part of it by the way when it doesn't work Right. When like something is not working. Yeah. Yeah. Painful. And so in terms of the plan now, I mean, it sounds to me like you had projections, they just got blown out of the water and you did not expect the, the sales to be where they are. Um, Are you now just hiring? Are you building out more? Like what are you doing to, to adjust to that new reality from a business perspective, not mentally? Well, you know, I, we are hiring and, you know, it's gotta be a good fit. So, you know, we're working slowly on it, but right now, some of the people, most of the people are doing things that are not in their scope of a job. And it's, right. you know, they're like the Swiss it. Army knife yeah. model. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, that's not forever. So, you know, we're, we're doing it and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, perhaps in six months, it'll be a very different thing. And, you know, it'll never be a corporate environment, even when the sales get, you know, corporate continue. Yeah. Even when the sales get big enough, I I know exactly what not to do. And And it seems um, like also you're, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like part of that is because you are not answering to investors and VC funds. And there's, there's just a big difference in the way that you can handle your own growth and build your own destiny a little bit when you don't have those, those people involved. And that's what I hear. That's what I hear. And, you know, I get, I get bombarded with emails from investors. I get bombarded with retailers that want us to open, you know, all the top retail. And it's like, we don't want we're not doing what, what most people are doing. We're just not doing it. Yet or period? No, we're not doing it. We're, I, I, you know, I'm, I look, I can't look. I've always said I'm not into a facelift, but, you know, I, I, I've, I've always said I'm never going to get a facelift. But I'm like, I can't say that because who knows what I'm going to feel when I'm right. 80. But, right. You know, up until now, I'm, I'm, I'm natural. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Any, anything else, you know, that you can, the people, you know, I, I think I'm up to like 120,000 downloads or something like that on the, on this. And I, it's, it's really for people like me or a step or two behind me, people who work with people like me. Um, you know, we're all trying to build stuff. And like I said, you know, between supply chain and iOS and whatnot, things are, things are a little hard out there. Um, you know, some people are killing it and crushing it and whatever, and most are doing okay and trying to keep things together so that they're ready to capitalize on the opportunities when they come back a little bit. And some, you know, 
sadly or really unhappy. Um, what if you could just have a minute with all of them and talk to them, like, and give them just sort of, you know, your words of wisdom? Well, I mean, what would you say? I mean, first of all, my words of wisdom to anyone that has a business or, you know, I don't care if it's a lemonade stand. It's like, okay, what is working? What isn't? <laughs> Just always ask yourself that question. How do you make it simpler? How do you make what you're doing matter more? And, you know, it's everything from how you look at your, you know, your your kitchen. Like, how is it working? Would it be better if I move the silverware over here and, you know, had a delivery every Tuesday at four o'clock. Like I just always think there's a better way to do things. And that would be my advice. Figure out what your better way is. I think that's amazing advice. Um, well, Bobby, I got to say you did not disappoint. <laughs> I feel I so much better. Um, on top of the fact that I'm definitely going to be taking you up on your invitation. Um, Good. and I am also really psyched that you had a great time at dinner at my house. Cause you know, I can't say I wasn't a little nervous about that. Um, but mostly I'm really just, you know, I'm kind of in awe. My whole team is sort of now we're all like, you know, I know that I'm beige and we all kind of <laughs> know our colors. And my mom, I mean, I sent you a video. My mom is 82. She was, she, you saw her. She was like, I mean, she's never had anything like that. You know, I, I don't know that she's your target demographic, but uh, you, know you know what? Everyone's my target demographic. Yeah. Everyone. Well, everyone who, yeah, doesn't love the feel of makeup, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And anyone that wants to look natural and glowing, Jones Road is the brand. If you want to look dry and, you know, flat, I'm not going to say cakey. You know, that would be mean. <laughs> dry and uh, flatter. Oh, flat. You're Flat's really flat. appealing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you want to look know, dry and crusty. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not, some people like the matte finish. Yes, and yes. That's probably we're, then we're probably not the brand. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. We will talk offline soon. Amazing. And Armin, right. as always, thank you for engineering and making it work today. And for everyone listening, um, you know, keep your chin up. Margins good. You know. Lean into what's working. Um, everything and cyclical. buy more sauce. And buy more sauce. <laughs> buy <exactly>. more sauce. <laughs> um, I don't even think I've ever. Yeah, that's funny. And um, <laughs> while you're buying more sauce, you can also look great in Jones yeah, exactly. Um yeah. So I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.